human body is amazing. It contains over 79 organs, 206 bones, over 100 trillion cells, 100 billion nerve cells in the brain alone. And all of these things cohesively work in these interdependent systems. It's absolutely amazing. And today, we're going to look at the body. In 1 Corinthians, the, uh, the Apostle Paul uses this analogy as the human body to describe the church. And today, we start a new sermon series called Images of the Church. And this sermon series is going to explore, well, what is the church? Is it a, a bunch of people? Is it a building? And today, we're specifically going to look at the church as being compared to a body. And I think it's interesting that the Apostle Paul uses this, this, this body terminology. Since we all have bodies, we've all seen ourselves, we've all seen other people. Some of us see our, ourselves more than others. Um, but nonetheless, we see the human body. So if you could, turn to 1 Corinthians 12, if you have your Bibles, or it's going to be on the, on the screen. Or if you look in the back of your bulletin, you'll see that the scripture is out there with the outlines. Now, before we kick it off, I want to give you some historical context to what's going on in the piece of scripture that we're going to look at. The book of Corinthians is about the, about the church in Corinth. Corinth was a, a major trade center in Greece. It had this diverse metropolitan demographic. Um, there was Jews, Gentiles, slaves, people of wealth. And Cor- Corinth was known for its moral corruption. As a matter of fact, the Greeks had termed a phrase to describe someone that was morally corrupt Um, to act like a Corinthian. It was kind of a derogatory term. And the Corinthian believers um, had issues. So Paul goes there, he goes to Corinth, he plants a church, he leaves, and there's these issues that are formed there. They kind of have one foot in the door of the world and one foot in God's kingdom. And they're confused. Their image of the church had been marred. And in some ways... Our image of the church has been marred by our culture as well. And so Paul writes this letter to set the record straight. And part of that is to set the record straight on what the church is. And it benefits us today so that we could have a good, perfect image of what the church looks like as a body. So let's pray and ask God to bless this time. Father, we come to you right now and we thank you for this image that you've given us. I pray that your spirit would be upon us, that your spirit would illuminate your word, your scripture, your truth. We love you, Lord, and we pray that you would be honored today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you look at the body, one of the interesting things about the body is DNA. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an anatomy and physiology, biology nerd whatsoever. I know some of you are. I know my wife, she is. So I don't have the technical wherewithal to get into the specifics of this, but DNA is pretty cool, right? I mean, it turns on these genet- these genes, turns on for, for certain things. The, the way that we look, the way that we, we function is all because of DNA. It unites the different organs in the body. And it's the same thing with the church. The church is a spirit-filled community, community united in Christ. Verse 12 says, Just as the body through one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, form one singular organism is what he's meaning. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given this one spirit to drink or to partake in. 
in Corinth, what was, what was going on is Paul plants the church, and you have some people that are all about Paul. And they get this preacher called Apollos that comes in, and some people are about Apollos. And then Peter, the Apostle Peter, also preaches at some point there, and some people are all about Peter. So you have these factions that form within the church. They're like, well, I'm a Paul follower, and the other says, well, I'm an Apollos follower, and I'm a, I'm a Peter follower. And Peter and, and Paul says, listen, there is no factions. We're all united in Christ. We're all one church in Christ. We're his body. You see verse 12. I find it very interesting that it says, just as a body through one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Paul uses the word Christ. He doesn't use the word church. The word church would have easily fit in there, but he uses the word Christ. He wants us to understand that a church cannot be separated without Christ. The church does not exist apart from Christ. Without Christ, you do not have a church, is what he's saying. You might have a, a nice country club or social club, but you don't have the church. You see, Christ is the head of the body, and we are meant to make him supreme in all aspects of our life. Colossians 1.18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy or preeminence in our life. We're united in Christ. We're united in that mission of making Christ preeminent or supreme. There's no church apart from Christ. There's no such thing as in the economy of God saying, I'm all about Jesus, but I'm not about the church. Because when you put your faith in Christ, you're in the church. You can't separate the two. We see that we enter this union through faith in Christ. You see in verse 13, it says, for we are all baptized. He's not talking about water baptism. We don't become part of the church by water baptism. He's talking about the baptism of regeneration, the baptism in which the Holy Spirit takes a hold of our hearts and gives us the faith to put in Christ. It's all about the gospel. He says, once you confess that you are a sinner, once you confess that you need Christ, once you confess that he has died, was buried, and resurrected for your sins, when you put your faith in that, you are a new creation. The old does not exist anymore. And you are baptized into the church. You don't need to do anything special, anything else special. This is it. You're part of the church through faith. Through faith alone in Christ alone. And furthermore, we see that we are sealed by the union of the indwelt Holy Spirit. You see also in verse 13... It says, all have been given the Spirit to drink. He's talking about once you put your faith in Christ, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit actually indwells you, and that is a down payment on the inheritance in heaven that you have. We have the very DNA of Christ that lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it unites us. And this union, this spiritual union, transcends any differences that we have. I want you just to do a quick thing and look around. Just look around at the different people we have here. We've got some really nice-looking people around here, right? But we're different. We have differences. And those differences are beautiful. 
but Christ transcends these. We have unity in Christ. It transcends race, gender, ethnicity, any sort of socioeconomical position that we're in. I was reminded of this when I was in Afghanistan. In 2010, I had met uh, a friend of mine named Arnold. Arnold was a civilian contractor from the Philippines. He didn't speak English well. He spoke uh, Tagala, and I don't speak Tagala, but we met in 2010. In 2012, when I went back to Afghanistan, we saw each other. We ran into each other in like some, just randomly, like it was a divine appointment. We came and we saw each other, and he's a believer. He put his faith in Christ in 2010 when I met him. We saw each other in 2012, and it was like our hearts were knitted together. Like, we cried, we wept, we held each other. It was beautiful. We had this unity, and it transcended the fact that we didn't speak the same language, that we were in a totally different plane of socioeconomical plane. Like, it did, you know, we were in total different worlds, but we were united in Christ, And I want that to be clear. Like, the people around you, you're members of one another. We're members of one another. If you put your faith in Christ, that's your your body right there. That's a a member of the body, your body. That's somebody that you have a relationship that transcends here on earth. It's forever. So if you're not digging the person that's next to you or somewhere in this room, you need to start digging them a little bit more because you're going to be with them forever. Just wanted to throw that out there. As I started preparing for this message, I started looking at the anatomy, like the anatomy of like the different parts of the body. I mean, it's very interesting. Like, there's certain parts of the body that you're like, I totally get why it's there, and there's other parts you're like, that's kind of weird. Like, why did God put that there? You know, um, it's just this stuff. But the fact is, is there's this diverse anatomy that is contained within us. And it's the same thing with the church. The church is a diverse community for the purposes of Christ. Verse 14 says, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then he goes on through verses 15 through 17 to talk about the different parts. Paul is making it clear that we are diverse in function and purpose. And in fact, it's the diversity of the church that gives us strength. It's the diversity of the church that gives us strength. There's this push, there's this cultural push to be homogenous, be the same. And God says, No, I don't want you to be the same. I've made you diverse in function and purpose. For a reason, because it brings strength to the purposes I have for you on earth to make my name glorified. And I have to ask you, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And I ask this because sometimes we meet different people in the body. Let's just, I'm going to throw it out there. Like, this, I'm totally going off script, so this could be a train wreck here. Um, we're a bunch of weirdos. We have issues. And we have gifts. And sometimes we don't really appreciate the gift of the other person too much because it doesn't really make sense to us. 
But God is saying, I've made this diverse community, and there's strength in that. There's strength in diversity. And in verse 18 says, but in fact, that phrase means, but at this very present moment, God has placed, God has assigned a duty, the parts in the body, every one of them. This means that he has looked at you individually and has assigned you a particular function in the body of Christ, just as he wanted it to be, just as he sovereignly wanted it to be. You see, the Corinthians were struggling. They were they were debating what gifts were better. They were like, you know, my gift's better than your gift. And they were making people feel inferior to one another. And the fact is, is we like the idea of diversity as long as it doesn't overstep our spiritual comfort zones at times. Once it gets a little uncomfortable, once we feel a little weird because we're not used to it, we're like, I'm not sure about this. And let me give you an example of this. I was in Africa, and uh, I'm, worshiping, and I'm worshiping at this little church. It's like a, a little wooden shack, really. There's all these people from different denominations, and we're just worshiping God. And people are like doing, they're, they're doing a, a type of worship that I'm not used to. You know, people are raising their hands, they're getting excited, they're doing all this stuff. And I come from a, more of a strict Baptist background, so I'm like, they're raising their hands. That's not right, you know, and uh, all this weirdness, right? And so all of a sudden, like, I just, it's beautiful. I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, this is absolutely beautiful. People are just worshiping God with everything. So I raise my hands, and I start just getting into it. And one of the ladies from Africa leans over to me, and she says, Brian, you're a Baptist. You're not supposed to do that. And she started laughing at me. I said, don't tell anyone back home, okay? Okay. But my point in this is you are where you're at because God has placed you there in the purposes for the purposes of the body. Our Function and purpose was specifically and specially designed by God for the purposes of his glory. He's like, listen, I have you where you're at, not because it's going to glorify you, but because it's going to glorify me. And some of you might say, I don't feel like I fit in anywhere, though, Brian. I just don't feel like I belong in the church. I love Jesus. I love the church, but I don't feel like I fit in. I don't know if that's you. I don't know if you feel like I don't fit in. And let me just be kind of bold here, that's a lie. If God has called you, if God has regenerated your heart, if you put your faith in Christ, you are in his body, and he said, I have a purpose for you. And the fact is, as is the body, we need you. You have a purpose. I'm often asked, how did I get... get uh, how did I come to pastoral ministry? If you don't know my story, I mean, I'm a Marine. 20 years, 21 years in the Marine Corps. I was not a chaplain. How did I come into pastoral ministry? That's one of the questions. And there's a, it's a long story, but I can tell you one of the key moments. I was in Iraq. There was an army chaplain named Andrew there. Andrew was about my age. And I felt the Lord, like, tugging on my heart to see if Andrew needed help. Because Andrew was doing everything. He'd sit up chairs. He'd preach. He'd do music. He did everything. So I said, you know what? I bet Andrew could use help um, setting up the chairs. So one day I go and I say, Andrew, can I help set up the chairs for the service? And he goes, you want to preach next week? <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's crazy. 
and it took me a while. It took me a, a good month or two before I actually took him up on his offer. But it was just throwing myself out there, trying to find my fit in the body. Tim mentioned these green cards that you have. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I'm not really sure where I should be. You know what? Volunteer for something. Just try it out. It isn't like you're locked in for life if you put something down there. If you're like, I'm not really sure where I fit in, write that down. We want to help you find your fit and flourish in the body because we need you and Christ needs his glory. As I started thinking about the body, one of the most amazing things about the body to me is the concept of homeostasis. It's a big word. I'm actually proud that I could say it like that. So, homeostasis. Um, do you guys know what homeostasis is? Okay, homeostasis. It's basically the body's way of interacting with the different parts and systems in order to maintain a particular medium within the body. So, for example, I'll give you an example. I have an example on my, on my slide up there. But let's say your body temperature rises. The blood vessels will dilate, and that will result in heat loss. Sweat glands will open up, secrete fluid, and then that fluid will evaporate and cool the body down, and you return to a normal body temperature. And the same thing, like right now, some of you are probably a little warm, Right? As you were, if, they, if, if, they, if you're cold, so we're going to get cold, because I'm, I'm being told that it's going to be pretty cold this winter. It's going to be my first one, so I got something. So if your temperature falls, like all this stuff starts to happen in the body to maintain and maintain your, your body temperature. It's, kinda, it's really amazing. It just triggers. It's these interdependent systems. It's the same thing within the church. The church is an interdependent community that exercises the compassion of Christ. We are interdependent on one another. Verse 22 says, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. They're necessary. And the parts that we think are less honorable or not held in high esteem, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts or the visible parts need no special treatments. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. We have this idea, I think it's really a cultural thing, like this, this fixation with idols and superstars. We like the hero. And it kind of seeps its way, seeps its way in the church. And that's what Paul's trying to address. He's like, listen, there's no superstar Christians here. Just because I stand up and I preach the word every week doesn't make what I do any different than what the ushers do or what our children's workers do or what any of you do here, setting up communion or ministering out in the marketplace where you're from. It's all part of the same body. There's no such thing as Christian superstars. They shouldn't be like, oh, that was, you know, you're so great, Pastor Brian. I'm a sinner saved by grace. This is just what God has called me to, like he has called you to where you're at. Every member of the body is indispensable and has equal importance in the eyes of God. I want you to believe that because it's true. You know, there's this weird thing that happens in the body sometimes. There's this, these disorders that some folks have, these autoimmune disorders. The body attacks the body. It sees good things as something bad, so it attacks it. And that was happening a lot in Corinth. They were attacking one another. 
And we have to understand that as the church, we're not called to attack one another. We're called to hold each other high, encourage one another. The fact is, is when you put your faith in Christ, you enter into a compassionate community. And we need each other. We need each other. Deploying um, into combat is kind of a sobering thing. And it's interesting because before you deploy, everyone kind of has their own lives. You're back in the base in the States. Everyone has their own lives. They're kind of doing their own thing. But as soon as you go into a combat situation, you instantly become interdependent on one another. There's There's no messing around anymore. You know you need each other because... The stakes are high, and you're in an environment that requires somebody to watch your back. And I think that's lost sometimes here in the church. We have to realize that in New England, we're in a post-Christian society. This is combat. We're in the wilderness here. We need each other. God has created us dependent on him and interdependent with each other. The idea of us being the captain of our own ships, grabbing ourselves by our own bootstraps, and doing it by ourselves is a lie. It doesn't work. We need each other. We read in verse 26, if one part suffers or experiences harm or pain, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, Highly esteemed. Every part rejoices with it. We celebrate. This life is filled with trials and triumphs. That's the understatement of the year. As a, as a body, a local body of Christ here at Free Christian Church, we've, we've had our share of trial, trials and triumphs just in the last week. Romans 12 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. When was the last time you did that? You know, I God really put this on my heart this morning while I was kind of reviewing this, especially the rejoice with those who rejoice. God put it on my heart. I felt like he was like, Brian, you're a jerk sometimes. Because I don't always rejoice with those who rejoice. Sometimes I, I must admit, my first thought is, is, man, they seem to have it really easy. Wow, I wish, uh, I, wish I had that. They, they surely got blessed. Where's my blessing, God? Like, I'm just being honest here. I don't know if you ever feel this way. I don't know. And God really convicted me of that. Like, I need to rejoice with those who rejoice. Because when they have a win, I have a win. Because we're part of the same body. And when somebody is suffering and they're hurting, I need to weep with them. I'm alongside them. Because they're a part of the same body. They're hurting. They need us. When was the last time you came alongside someone? Or when was the last time you allowed someone to come alongside you? If you're here and you're hurting, we want to know. You're a member of the body. We want to come alongside you. I'm going to encourage you just to get involved in people's lives. 
Can you imagine your heart telling your liver, like, yeah, I'm not going to work with you today. I don't, I don't acknowledge that you exist. That's kind of what we do sometimes in the church, though. You're like, yep, I'm the kidney. I just exist on my own. That's not how it's supposed to be. We're interdependent on each other. Let's get involved with each other's lives today. Now, my wife, Erica, who I love very deeply, don't worry, this isn't going to go bad. So, um, <laughs> it's happened, it's gotten bad a couple times. So, that's why she's worried. But, uh, so she has a degree in kinesiology, which is like human movement. So she's like a total nerd with all of this stuff. And one of the things that the body was created for was for movement. It was created to move. And if you don't move, muscles atrophy. I don't know if you've ever been in a hospital bed for a long time. My dad was in a hospital bed for quite a while, and he had a hard time walking. The muscles had atrophied quite fast. Also, if you don't move, you get overweight. Also, if you don't move, sometimes the other parts of the body counterbalance that, and they pick up the slack and are damaged even more because they're picking up the slack. It's the same thing in the church. The church is an active community that represents Christ. We're called to be active. Now, this is a, verse 27 is an authoritative declaration. So this is how it's meant to be read. Now, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. Paul's saying, you are the body of Christ. You. You see, the, the church of Corinth wasn't representing Christ well. They had diseased, atrophied, overweight members, spiritually speaking, that were left unchecked. Here's the thing. If you're a member of the body, if you put your faith in Christ, you're a member of the church, it's not enough for someone else to do it. Remember, you are the body. We are the body. It's a call to action. And here's the thing. When you're active and you're doing what you were designed to do, you feel great because that's what God has created you for. So when a heart is doing what a heart is supposed to do, it's happy. It's only when it's not doing what it's supposed to do where it can't do it is when bad things start to happen. When you do what God has created you to do in the confines of the church for his glory, you experience satisfaction in Christ. I don't know if that, that should blow your mind away. You're telling me I experience satisfaction when I do what God has created me to do and he's placed me where he wants me to be? Like, I receive satisfaction? Yes, satisfaction. Satisfaction that transcends any satisfaction. That satisfaction you're always looking for? That can only be fulfilled in Christ and the satisfaction of Christ. That's what you feel when you're active in the body of Christ. But what does that activity look like? Because it looks differently in different seasons of life. That could be helping out here, being active in the church. It could be doing outreach. It could be maybe taking a step back and caring for your loved one. It could be in your workplace, 
coming alongside one, alongside someone and being the hands and feet of Christ. It could be mean a lot of different things. The point is, is you're active. You're an active member of the body. It looks different in different seasons of life. You know, when the body moves, it's quite a beautiful thing. I mean, it's, you see someone running or you see someone doing, working out or whatever, you're like, all of these systems, all these things are in unison and they're working together and it's absolutely breathtaking to think that God has engineered that. And it's the same thing when the body of Christ is moving together. It's absolutely breathtaking. It sends a message. Let me tell you this message. This message that there is unity in diversity and interdependency in Christ, that it's possible in Christ. There's peace. Why? Because we're in Christ. What are people seeking? Peace, unity, and diversity, and this interdependency. And we're saying the church has it. We were created for that. And when we're doing it, it sends a message to everyone like, that's possible? Yes, that's possible. That's why we're designed. It represents Christ. So I have to ask you, are you a healthy body part? Are you a healthy body part? Or is somebody picking up the slack and we're kind of wobbling? We're getting the job done, but we're, we're wobbling a little bit because we really need you. I'm going to challenge you this week, as I always do. I want you to pray and ask God, where do you fit into the body? Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easy, easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Christ, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We are in this race of life. and We are one body and we need each other. We need to singularly focus our eyes on Christ and run the race together. We need you. You need us. And Christ deserves our glory, his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your body. We thank you for bringing us into communion with you, in union with you, in communion with others. We love you, and I pray that you would be honored and glorified in our actions. I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't feel like they fit in, that you would give them discernment and guidance on how they fit into this body of Christ that you've called them to with your purpose. So we love you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.